Hi everyone, and hi Ness, good to see you. And you, Alex, really nice to be be, be with you. <laughs> good, good, let's start. Last night, I spoke in my podcast about the latest IPCC report. And this report is uh, made by the best climate scientists in the world. And it's about what we can do to stop climate change. And it was scheduled to be presented early this morning. So I predicted in my podcast yesterday that it would not get the attention that it should get. After all, we are talking here about an existential threat to the lives of billions of people. And some say even to humanity as we know it. And I fear that, like the previous report, the second report that came out a month ago, it will quickly leave the front pages and move further back, where only those that are already interested or alarmed will be reading about it. But when I woke up, it was even worse. I normally start my day but with reading the New York Times, and there was not a single word about the IPCC report. And that was even worse than I had predicted. But then I soon found out that the presentation had been postponed to later today, which explains that there was just zero attention. So as you will likely know, the IPCC reports come out every seven years or so. Sometimes it's six, sometimes eight years. On average, it's about every seven years. So we're now at the sixth report, which is published in three parts. And the first... Two, we already know the, the first working group's report was about the climate science. And the second one was what it, this means for uh, the impact that climate change will have. And then the third report that will be presented today um, is about what we should do about it. And since uh, most effective climate action is res a responsibility for governments... Uh, they will be the ones that that get most uh, that are most addressed in the report. But then, what about us, the listeners to this podcast, who are concerned about climate change and want to do whatever they can do to contribute to a better world? And that will be our focus for today. What can you do? What can I do? There are actually a lot of things that you can do, and we will come with some suggestions here and. We also hope that you will add your ideas. This is not the definitive list. Uh, this is not a list on priorities either. Um, if not, I would have started the list with uh, less flying and eating less meat. Uh, and on top of that, I would actually have, say, uh, vote for the right party, which is normally not the right one, but the left one. Um, and uh, But we have a completely different order. So... Um, where shall we start, uh, Ness? Uh, what, what, what's your first idea to contribute? Oh, and before I go there, uh, you guys are also welcome to, to contribute. So there's this uh, call-in button uh, that you can use to, to call in. So, Ness, where shall we start? Um, well, yeah, where, should, where shall we start? Um, it's, it obviously, it's such a big thing to, um, to, to deal with as, as a consumer. Um, but we, you know, we have pounds in our pockets uh, we have dollars in our pockets, we have euros in our pockets. And, and actually, it starts with where we choose to buy things, what we choose to spend our time on and our money on. You know, let's let's vote with our purses. Let's vote with our wallets. Um, I was thinking about that. You know, where should we start? Where is as an individual? Where do you start? And I think actually starting in the kitchen is a really good place because it's somewhere where everybody comes to. Um, if your friends are coming around for, for meals and all that kind of stuff, you've got family your children, um, you know, they, they, everybody huddles around the kitchen and it's a really, really, it's the heart 
heart of the home and, and the heart of everything. So, so yeah, let's, let's, let's start at the kitchen, maybe. Um, obviously, you mentioned, Alex, about um, eating less meat. Fantastic um, idea. Obviously, people know about the green, you know, the carbon footprint, the, the, the CO2, all the emissions that, that come off the cows and, and all these sort of like they're, they're stripping um, grassland and, and, you know, sort of proper land, you know, for and putting grass and putting fodder down. And some of them are just like in these awful um, uh, holding pens before they're slaughtered and they're just barren, barren, barren places. And A, it's bad for the animals before we even start about, you know, ethics and all this kind of stuff. But it's really bad for the environment. Um, so, yeah, eating less meat, um, we can discuss that in greater detail maybe on another podcast. But also the thing is only buy what you need. And it probably sounds completely obvious. And um, But if people are used to shopping in a supermarket, say, Everything is there. Everything is there in front of you. You wander around with the trolley. This is our mindsets normally. Maybe not, may hope, well, I shouldn't think a lot of people who listen to the podcast have got this sort of mindset. But if you look around, there's lots of people, even, even well, I, I do as well. I, kind of, <laughs> I do slip. Um, you know, you're walking around the shopping, shopping uh, supermarket and there's everything there. And it's all wrapped in plastic for a start. There's so much and you end up buying more things than you need because there's two for one and there's this and that. And then you, before you know it, you've bought, you think, oh, you know, you bought more vegetables than you need. You bought more, if you're eating meat, more meat than you need, more, da, 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 da. You come in, you can't stuff it in your fridge because it's too much stuff. And then before you know, you're eating the front stuff first because you can't get to the back of the fridge. Stuff that you bought last week or two days ago. So you end up throwing stuff out. So only buy what you need. As I said, sounds obvious. Try, and don't, try not to throw food out. Um, and obviously your compost bins, you know. Um, there was a, uh, a bit of a fact that the carbon footprint of the U.S., food waste um, is greater than that of the airline industry. Um, there's more greenhouse gases that come from agriculture, uh, for instance, than, than different other, you know, than other forms of transportation combined. Um, so obviously we need to think about how we, what we buy and how much we buy, because if we buy less, then obviously the, you know, the demand will be less, which means they'll produce less, which means there'll be less carbon footprint generally. So it starts with us. It starts with a little change that we make there's a lot of us out there. <laughs> There's a lot of human beings out there that we can we can make our choices with our with our wallets, with our with our purses. Um, yeah, and I mean, obviously, if we start in the home, one of the good things actually is just it's a really silly thing is actually organise your fridge, which you know is is quite a fun thing to do. If you've got kids, it's great to do. If you live on your own, I love doing it. I love to I like getting everything out of the fridge and I put it all in all in date order. Maybe I've got a bit of a thing going on, sort of an OCD thing. I don't know. <laughs> People come around, all my carrots are lined up. No, I'm not that bad. I'm not that bad. <laughs> um, but I, I, I do. I kind of sew it. But then I always keep track and I always look at it. And then because I cook my own food, I don't buy a lot of ready meals or anything like that either. I love, I love choosing all the vegetables. I'm going. So it's a bit like ready, steady, cook. Or if you're an artist, it's like, oh, what are we going to have tonight? So you get all the different colours and the vegetables out and, and you do that. But I, I, keep it, I keep it contained. And actually, from an environmental psychology point of view... Having less is better for our brains anyway. So this is a win-win completely. Um, so, yeah, so you can you can sort of like have, you know, maybe even like stack the oldest items on the top shelf and then work your way down or work it from the front to the back or however you want to do it. But it's um, there's some really, really great ideas how to reduce food waste. And you can start by just Googling, you know, ideas how to reduce food waste. And there's there are so many different ideas. Um you know, and obviously you can you can also, you know, um, some of the places that you shop, do they have a recycling um, program? 
so you can choose where you shoot, where you shop as well, which, you know, some like like Pret-a-Manger here in the in the UK. I'm not, I don't know if elsewhere, but when they finish with their sandwiches, for instance, they give them to the homeless. So there's less food waste. The whole and obviously it's a lot of organic food as well. So, you know, if, I, if I'm going to buy a sandwich, I try to shop in places like Pret-a-Manger um, because they have an ethical program and the food, there's less food waste. So, you know, as a consumer, we have a choice and we can choose where we want to go. Um, obviously, yeah, as you said, um, avoiding meat and, and obviously dairy products as well as much as we can. Um, and if we can have a really high fiber plant based diet as well, better for our health, as, you know, which is great. Makes you go to the loo a bit more. <laughs> so she says very practically. <laughs> um, but it's, it's also it's, it's good for you. You feel energized. You know, um, I, I used to work in a um, acupuncture school and clinic. Um, it was a five element school of acupuncture. And um, and it was really interesting. There was this this whole stuff about Curlian photography. I don't know if anybody knows about this sort of stuff, but it's um, you put different. They've even done like different slices of bread. They put a white white slice of bread and a brown slice of bread, and the energy that comes off a brown slice of bread was much more than the white slice, all that sort of thing. But there is they've obviously you know we also know that um, there's more vitamins and and vitamin K and all this kind of stuff in vegetables, so it's better for us and better for planet. Mm-hmm. So. Um, but yeah, I mean, what what else do you think, Alex? <laughs> <laughs> so so much to do there. I, I was looking at the comments. I see comments from Evelyn saying that uh, I do my grocery shopping on food. Um, uh, so I pronounce that with a D on food, I should say. So walking, not on food. <laughs> um, and uh, I'm, I'm just a Dutchman trying to speak English. And, um, uh, and she says, I have a list with best before dates of everything in my fridge. Uh, which is wonderful in Europe, and I guess it's it's uh, not only EU but also Switzerland, where we have that so much better organized than here in Canada, where I wrote last year an article about how impossible it is in Canada to see the best before uh, date because they have codes on printed on boxes, etc., that are. Uh, impossible to understand unless you ask somebody in the shop what does this actually mean and then they look at it and say oh yeah this this means like uh, the 11th of april or something how do you know that well you have to read it this way etc and uh yeah so that's that's uh, good i i always wonder a bit about throwing away food um i i know the statistics uh, which is in the western world uh one third of food is being thrown away uh, because it does reach us in our homes, but then we let it rot away, we throw it out. And in the uh, the global south, uh, it's also one third, but it's different. Uh, it it doesn't reach the people. It's rotting away in the harbors, etc., because of, of of badly organized logistics. But when once it reaches the people, they actually eat it. I I always wonder about that one third in the Western world because. I I don't throw food away. I mean, I can't say it's never, but um, I mean, I really have to to think when when was the last time that I throw some food away? I think there were some some berries at a certain moment that were no longer longer fresh. But I'm talking about like two months ago, and then I talk about ju- just a fraction of my my groceries. I mean, I wouldn't even reach one percent. Uh, so I, I always wonder how people, uh, how do we, so if, if if I do less than 1%, it means that somebody else, to get to this statistics of, of one third, somebody else must be throwing away two thirds of what that person is buying. So 
I wonder why. Uh, I mean, it's a waste of 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 money as well. It's a waste yeah. of effort because you have to to first get it in your in your trolley or whatever, and you have to bring it home. Um, and uh, yeah, and what you say, it's it's. Uh, I I fully agree. I mean, there's there's uh, like three good reasons to eat less meat. Uh, one is for the planet. Uh, the second one is for the health of the animals uh, because they have an absolutely rotten life. Uh, in circumstances that I think should be forbidden by law, I think yeah. it's 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 incredible how badly we use animals. Of course, it's not filmed; you don't see about. It. Sometimes they have like a hidden camera, and and and, and the news comes out. But the 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 massive scale how we are are daily torturing hundreds of millions of animals in each in our countries and that is that that is allowed that there's no more government action to stop that is for me completely impossible to understand uh that uh and and i i think that in the far future you know historians in 100 years from now they will write uh, about this period like people thought they were so sophisticated with all their all their smartphones and 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 everything they had achieved but they were treating animals worse than we treated them in the Middle Ages, and and I I I really find this should be much much higher on the political agenda. And the third one you mentioned is is our own health. I mean, there's so much studies out now that eating, especially eating eating too much red meat, leads to to uh, to to heart diseases. It leads to more cancer. It leads to all kinds of unhealthy things. So. You can just extend your life by years by 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 drastically reducing the amount of red meat that you are eating. Um, I don't don't eat any meat, uh, but maybe that's that's a bit extreme. But for the meat eaters that are listening, just just reduce it, especially uh, the, the the red meat. Um, try to to reduce it, uh, if if not for any other reason, just uh, just for your own health. Yeah. I was going to say actually, if you're when I when I because obviously I've I've gone through different phases in my life. Sometimes I've been vegetarian, vegan, pescatarian, and I've you know occasionally I've gone back to eating meat and and stuff. And and one of the easiest ways I, I kind of found one was to reduce it. I mean I just I just had meat um, at the weekends, say, and then I swapped the red meat out just for chicken and just for white meat. And then if you know if if some people are kind of like got their mindset that I need meat, I need meat, I need meat until they've proven actually until they've experienced it and think actually I feel a lot lighter everything feels better I can focus more I feel healthier you know hearts aren't pounding so much and, and just everything moves a lot easier um you know and, and so it, and, and I think once people have done that then they realize and, and I'm completely with you Alex on the whole animal way we farm animals it's just wrong and I and it just I, I, I'm always there on the whole you know signing these petitions and, and things Again, that's something that we can all do you know we can all sign these petitions and share them among our friends one good thing about social media is that we can actually share these messages and the more we do it the more they'll understand they being the people who make the decisions and all this kind of thing realize that actually hang on a minute these are the voters these are the people that i need to impress and i need to um um uh, change change the way we're producing stuff and things but there's a thing in here called compassion in world farming it's an amazing entity um i don't know if it's international actually but uh they do an, uh, an amazing thing they lobby farmers they lobby the government and they have had quite a lot of success you know um you know when they ship animals live uh, getting better quality um, even though you know there might be vegetarians that are running this thing 
they're still going, well, actually, if they've still got this industry, the farming industry, we need to make sure that our animals are well looked after. Um, I mean, there was the pig hotels that I was reading about in, in, in China, you know, where they're all stacked up on top of each other. I just think this is just wrong. It's just, yeah, it's just completely wrong, um, no. Alex. So, it yeah. also feels that we're just too far away from, from, from nature in, in, in many ways. So, yeah, so, yeah. well, talking about what you can do for the climate, uh, yeah. yeah, so so less, uh, yeah, ch change the way everything you do in your kitchen. That is uh, that is a good one. Um, but, yeah, we can extend this to, to all kinds of consumption. Um, all, basically, everything that you, uh, that you buy has a carbon footprint. There's there's hardly anything that you can can buy instead of maybe except for maybe carbon offsets or something. But <laughs> basically, anything that you shop, that you buy, that you consume, uh, has a carbon footprint, and it's it's something to be aware of. So a lot of things you can just you can just do do less. Um, and uh, so yeah. So what about uh, your your clothes? And what about um, yeah, there's sustainable shopping uh, choices as well, and mm -hmm. um, so uh, yeah, so there's 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 a lot of things we 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 can do in that field, and I think basically just just consuming less is uh, is not that difficult. You you hear the same from people that go uh, that go go hiking in nature and they're they're out in in the mountains and do let's say the Appalachian Trail or, mm -hmm. or something like that and they they come out after a few months and they say well I just lived with 10 kilos on my back and that was mm -hmm. everything I owned that was that mm -hmm. was my my house and my bed and my food and my clothes and everything that I need I was carrying that on my back. So, 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 do you really need that much? And mm -hmm. uh, yeah, so that's that's another another one yeah. to think of. It is absolutely yeah. You can always just ask that question: Do I need it? And can I afford? Well, can I afford it? First of all, you know, can, do I need it? Is it useful? Um, and then just you know, wait five minutes, walk around the shop with it in your hand or something, and then if you really need it, then obviously buy it. But you know, is it ethical? There's obviously all fair trade labels on things now as well um it'd be great if every every vegetable piece of vegetable we, we bought had like how many food miles it's traveled you know i've come from you know i traveled probably more than some people <laughs> um you know when you when you and so um yeah also you you i mean i'm i'm i have a style i suppose but i'm not i've not got really a fashionable bone in my body i mean i i, I love i love um design I like nice things. I love linen and cotton, and I've spoken before about it actually between you know on on our on the podcast here. But um, yeah, what, where we choose to do it. I mean, there's there's a whole thing um, about um, the sort of environmental footprint of fast fashion. I don't know if anybody on who are listening, you know, loves fashion um, or if they have a, an opinion about this. But um, apparently, there's one equivalent of one sort of like garbage truck full of clothes is burned or dumped into a landfill every second. That's, that's one garbage every second. Every second. Yeah. That's that's men mental, um, you know. And sixty percent of all the materials as well that's used by the fashion industry comes from plastic. Um, you know, there's there's five hundred thousand tons of microfibers apparently are released into the ocean each year from washing clothes. So that's equivalent of like fifty billion plastic bottles. That's mental, you know. It's just I mean, from washing clothes. Yeah. From washing your clothes. Yeah. 
So obviously the, some of the fibres must get sucked out and sort of like just float around in the washing machine and then sort of like find its way down the drain hole and then out into the out into the ocean, you know, through the whole system. Just because we, like you mentioned about the animals, Alex, because you can't see it, you don't think about it. Um, we have we have a choice, you know. You can, um, you know, also the fashion industry apparently is, is responsible for between eight and ten percent of humanity's carbon emissions, um, and that's more than all of the international flights and maritime shipping combined. Yeah, uh, shipping combined. Um, you know, it's just it's just not it's not sustainable, really. Um, you know, there's more loads of waters used. Um, 93 billion cubic meters apparently of water and which is enough to meet you know the needs of five million people so can you just imagine if we re redirected that and obviously if you think about where a lot of these factories are located if that water was actually relocated to, to other places within that country maybe those people would also have um, access to water and clean water um, you know and, and also because they're sucking it in there it is leading to water scarcity in those regions um you know i don't you know what, what what should we do really um maybe yeah just choose do you know i was in the shop i don't go shopping i'm i'm a sort of real you know i'm a sort of a woman that doesn't like shopping i can park a car and read a map and i think there's something wrong with me to, to, traditionally um but then maybe that's just me being bloody minded and, and everything else but um and i'm a human being not male or female i'm a human being and i think we should all be like that i'm embracing my femininity <laughs> but um but I, I don't do shopping and I, the reason i don't do shopping is that if you've gone into a store some stores like i don't know if i should mention anything to be to the detriment of that brand but you go into some stores and you can almost smell the nylon you can smell the static and i don't know if it's just me no, it's just... marks and spencer you were oh, talking you about it. you've got it <laughs> <laughs> i remember that from my days in london Whenever I walked in Marks and Spencer, I was using it yes. as a shortcut to get home. It was like this smell. Yes, yeah. exactly, exactly it. So, <laughs> oh, that's funny that you recognize that. Yeah. But, but do you know what I mean? It's like, that can't be right. That just can't be right. And if you pick up the material as well, when you, I mean, because I think I've, I live in like natural and I've got, you know, like lamb's wool and cashmere and it sounds all very like, oh, la-di-da la and lovely. But I buy something and I, and I keep it for, and I love fixing things. I mentioned before about I love fixing things, but that's something we can do. If you do invest in a nice piece of fashionable material and fashionable their clothing, you could fix it. You know, if, if the sleeve starts coming apart, have that enjoyment of reconnecting yourself with something that you, we can all do. It's like a skill. It's this dexterity that we can all, you know, re-engage re with, you know, that sort of whole sustainable sustainability which again it all filters through a knife the more things we bring into our lives and at, on an everyday level on all different levels then that does have a knock-on effect um really yeah. for us all you yeah. know so um yeah. yeah i think this this aspect of fashion is 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 remarkable so that that uh, the the carbon footprint is much higher than than, than flying for instance mm -hmm. which is in a way not really nice to compare because everybody in the world wears clothes and not everybody is flying so flying which which is i, I think it's about two percent of the carbon footprint i have to to double check but it's done by uh by a a minority in 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 the world uh, yeah. that is uh, you have some people that are just just basically living in airplanes yeah. and 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 so they have uh, an enormous uh, an enormous footprint but with fashion i i remember reading that the average uh uh, piece of cloth that is that is bought um, 
is worn only seven times. I, th I think this is an incredible number. If I look at, at my own stuff, uh, I've 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 things here that I that I bought 25 years ago that I'm still wearing, and mm -hmm. I just throw it away when it when it doesn't. So I'm probably not very fashionable either. <laughs> but <laughs> but I mean, why should classic. we? Yeah, classic. why? You, let's say it, it. It just becomes classic. We're just keeping it so long. So so yeah. why spend it? Why spending so much on it? I think that is that is that is really absurd. And um, yeah. So and 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 the other thing that that about sixty percent of your clothes are basically made from from fossil fuels as well. Mm -hmm. uh, it's mm -hmm. something people don't realize. It all mm -hmm. feels so natural, etc. But uh, it does. And so it's, it it also adds up to the plastic pollution. So there's there's a lot of uh, things there. Now there's people that are talk about uh, renting fashion, uh, and but of course that has the problem that if you really want to go somewhere fashionable to a place where you have to to be whatever some kind of gala where you have to be uh, very presentable, you're not going to rent it because you fear that somebody else was wearing it last time. Said, so, oh, I rented that at the last time. So it's. Uh, <laughs> That the fashion industry makes you want to buy constantly new things. That's why they why they change fashion all the time. And it's it's in, in in the olden days when we lived in our caves, it wasn't like that. We were all wearing the same um, bear or mammoths, uh, woolen mammoths that we had shot, and 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 that was the fashion of the day. So I, I sort of was seasonal in a way. <laughs> And um, so we don't have to go back to that, I guess. <laughs> so, uh, and, and what about our home? So we, we spoke about the kitchen and we spoke about food. Um, but yeah, what about our, our homes? Uh, there is, of course, a lot you can do at home. Um, so the last time I bought a house was, was five years ago. And the very first thing I did, did was to insulate a house and you could you could earn that back in 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 about three years time you can of course put uh, solar panels on your roof which i haven't done because of the situation of the house so it it, it wouldn't be profitable in, in in my case but that's certainly something especially now that we are in this energy crunch uh, because of 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 russia's uh, uh, illegal and brutal invasion of ukraine uh, we we in Europe, especially, will have uh, huge um, problems with having enough energy. So anything you can do yourself in uh, in either using less energy, and I think that is the first thing you should look at, but then producing your own energy, uh, maybe collectively on a windmill uh, or a wind turbine, I should say, with, with a lot of people together, uh, like what you can do with your neighborhood or probably much easier, more effective and also cheaper and faster um, is uh, going for, for using solar energy and just, just put it on your roof. I think that's certainly something that, uh, that, that, that everybody should look into, especially now that the prices of fossil fuels, especially of gas, will be, will be rising so fast. It's it makes it more uh, profitable and on top of that uh, the the price of um, solar energy is has dramatically gone down uh, while the effectiveness has, has gone up so much so it is it's 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 a bit of a no-brainer that if you are living somewhere where you can where you can where you can install solar uh, just go for it it's it's better for international uh, relations as well because we become less dependent of those countries that provide fossil fuels and overwhelming a 
majority of those countries are not the kind of regimes that we are particularly happy about. So, yeah, that's something you can do at home. Um, there's, uh, there's, of course, a lot uh, what you can do in your garden as well. Um, I mm-hmm. suppose you have much more ideas about that because you're you're a more garden person than I am, I think. <laughs> yeah, I, I suppose you're right, really. Um, and I think it's one of the one of the lovely things, uh, obviously, because I, I, I talk about biophilic design and why we need nature into our into our built environment. And that's a real big, big, big thing. And I think bringing us closer to nature is a good thing because it makes us appreciate our planet and, and makes us appreciate the environment. There's obviously if you if you can I mean talk about your plants in your garden for instance you know you can switch out I mean we, we talk about the price of food for instance and your your choice when you go into the supermarket well you know you can you can grow some of your own veg outside in your little plot it doesn't have to I mean if you're lucky enough to have a big space then you can go crazy and and like grow everything that you need um, you know from rhubarb to your potatoes to your cabbage and and all your your, your berries and things and obviously seasonal wise once they run out you can you know juice them and and freeze them obviously if you've got freezer or you but if not like they used to do make chutneys and jams and things so the preservation methods which is a fantastic thing to do it's actually really really fun so you could say well you could watch less telly and make some jam <laughs> you'd be using less energy and um you know it's it's and it's fun it's a fun thing to do it's a really fun thing to do and it's so satisfying you know again from a psychology point of view it gives you such a kick <laughs> you know who needs drugs you need you know just go go and make some jam um <laughs> i i have a i have a thing i have my veg boxes delivered there's a thing called odd box which um collect all different vegetables that you know are odd different sizes I'm sort of I blow hot and cold about that because some of it's obviously from Spain and from other different countries, but it's things that supermarkets have have um, have have like rejected. But so they kind of rescue them. It's like rescued veg. Um, I also have like an, an organic vegetable box delivered. It's got fruit in it and it's local and it's seasonal. So it's really nice. You kind of get the box and oh, what am I going to get today? And I said about the ready, steady cook thing. I love that. I love I love being it's better for soil, of course, because if it's organic, obviously the benefits of organic, um, better for wildlife and insects and it's better for the planet. Um and we're not feeding ourselves yeah. all those pesticides and things, you know. So um yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, you can plant your food. I mean, Alex, do you do you do you plant your food in, in do you have like little bit herb herb pots with well, I, I used to as as a child, uh, but since then I haven't really been in a in a place where I had a garden where I could uh, where I could do those things. I should I should be able to do it at home though. Yeah. But um, when I was young, my uh, my grandfather he was he was a farmer's uh, son. He really oh. came from big farm with ten children. He yeah. was the youngest one, and um, he w- he was the only one that that really got an education because the rest just just uh, as soon as they could they could walk they became the next generation of farmers, and um, but when he got older, um, that was by the time that I was growing up, he was teaching me a lot of things about um, growing all kinds of stuff in the garden. So we we together we grew a lot of stuff, and I. I I always have fond memories of that, and uh, yeah, now I'm here in 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 Ottawa where there's just a lot of snow everywhere, and I don't really have the kind of garden where I can 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 grow things. It's not not made like that. Um, and the other thing is that I I now live a life where uh, in the summers I'm uh, a long time in Europe, and uh, and I'm I'm here in in long winter, so. 
mm-hmm. um, which all has to do with reducing flying. So I try to fly uh, to Europe as 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 little as possible, once a year, maybe twice a year. Uh, but that also means that once I'm on the other side of the ocean, I just stay there for a very long time. So it's there's no way that with this lifestyle I can I can take care of a garden. Um, but in a few years from now, I plan to live in one place. Not really sure where yet. It's probably on my island uh, that I that I often write about, um, and that might change things. But there, I have such a tiny garden that <laughs> it's not going to work. But I, I I'm I'm not sure where I'm going to live. But I would I would love to if I if I really settle down after a life of traveling in 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 one place. Uh, I would I would. I would love to to grow my own food because it's it, as you say it is really really rewarding. Um, mm. Although it's difficult to get all the little snails etc. off them without uh, using pesticides etc. It depends a bit on what kind of plants um, oh. you are growing. Oh, but the the good thing is if you have if you encourage hedgehogs to come, then the hedgehogs come and eat the slugs. So you know having your hedgehog corridors, you know between your friends and your gardens and all this kind of stuff, then the hedgehogs come and eat the. The, the slugs and, and you don't need to put slug pellets down there's all different ways of doing it putting like um you know uh, coffee grounds down or crushing eggshells there's lots of old wives tales but if you plant enough then you know, you leave a little bit for the wildlife um and then and just yeah you say yeah. just pick them off and pick them off i, I also saw you yeah. can build a hedgehog house um, yes. they they uh, kind of little little box where they can yeah. where they can hide and where they feel feel safe yeah. and where they stay dry etc yeah. and uh, yeah. Uh, so it's uh, that, that's something else to uh, to consider. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's, 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 you, you say about that. I mean, you can always plant. I mean, when I travel, when I travel, because I'm, I'm, you know, I just, I, I, if I'm staying in a, you know, self catering place, which I love doing, I always get the pot herbs. You know, I always buy like little pots of herbs from. I used to work in Paris quite a bit, and I used to buy from this little sort of marketplace the pot herbs and put them on the on the windowsill and because it smelled nice as well you know the kitchen would like smell start smelling like home vegetable you know basil i love the smell of basil and dill and tarragon and all the lovely you know the the the, the herbs that, that grow really well in france and um, but um yeah so you can do it so i'm not going to let you off that alex you're going to have to next time you're traveling you're going to have to um post a picture of a pot herb on your window <laughs> um i will yeah but yeah. um that's in the in the sort of on the bigger picture there. There's these things called agri hoods, um, sort of neighbourhoods that have incorporated food production, um, which are fantastic. I don't know if again any of the listeners have heard about that. Um, yeah, I see. But, Evelyn, um, uh, oh, want, she... want to join in? Shall we? Shall we? Yeah, let's take. Let's bring. Yeah. Let me see. Take next caller. Hi, Evelyn. Hi. It Hi worked there. the first time. Excellent. Um, <laughs> just something on like growing your own vegetables. Um, it's also seasonal for yes. wherever you live, right? Because you can't grow certain things in winter. So, and I try to shop seasonal products or produce, but it's not always, you know, I don't always do it, but that's also an aspect of growing your own food, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely, yeah, and it's yeah. also a bit weird and that that we uh, that we eat uh, tomatoes in January, etc. Because all of these are either imported from very very far away, or they are grown as we do in Netherlands in in, in glass houses that often uh, 
use uh, part of the energy of course comes from the sun but uh, also they're they're often heated uh, by gas etc although i must admit i'm uh, i'm guilty about that i always eat tomatoes uh, throughout the year um so well you you can't score 10 points on any on every uh, green <laughs> aspect of your True. life yeah absolutely yeah and it's, 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 we say you know it also adds um variety to your meal and if you think about what's available at different times of the year um it's often it does us good because you know it's we've got we have different sort of food at different times of the year so obviously salads and all this kind of stuff are really um you know uh, fl- you know fl- flowering and and abundant when it's um in the summer so we need lighter food and cooler food and and then you've got your heavier um cabbages and all this kind of stuff and, um in the winter time so actually you know which which makes us feel you know psychologically as well not le- not least um in biologically uh, so yeah there's so many benefits of eating eating seasonally as you say and you know if you're trying to keep something warm or grow something artificially then you need energy to do that so seasonally is good if you can do it yeah so thanks mm. for the call Evelyn it's really uh, nice I also see um, a comment of um, of Joshua saying that uh, in in America we individually waste a lot but also we arrest people for taking food out of dumpsters and do have a lot that is rotting in the fields and it's it's uh, it, it isn't pretty enough and and finally much of the use by dates are only to encourage waste uh, which which is right a lot of people look at the use by date and then throw it away even while it's still good so there there um, I, w- I would say there's a lot of education is needed uh, mm-hmm. uh, as well and that is something that I know that the European Union is working on because uh, you have like in the EU, there's now two or three different dates. So one is like use by, and the other one is like uh, this is good until, and there's like a third one. They all have legally a different meaning, but the consumer doesn't know. They just look at any date they see, you know, this has passed the date. But one of these days just says, we guarantee legally that by this date, at least by this date, this is still good to eat. And another one says that we advise you to eat this before this date, um, but uh, it it still means that you just have to look at it and to smell it or to taste it. Mm. Um, uh, then, you, then you know whether whether it's good or not. And and uh, generally, at at the use by date, it is in hundred percent of cases still good most likely the next day as well. I mean, if you take, let's say, a can of beans or something that is good for two years, if you, after two and a half years, open that can of beans, you can be pretty sure that it's still perfectly okay to uh, to eat it. Of course, that is not true if you if you wait with bananas for half a year because <laughs> and, uh, so it, it you you have to just use your brains and not not completely fly by the date that is that's it, it depends on 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 the product etc and and a lot of people have just whenever they see something as i had an aunt who was like that she just went through a fridge and whenever anything had passed the date just just by one day she was throwing it away uh, yeah, if you want to get to your one third of food being thrown away, that is that is certainly that is uh, the I way think that's to do it. it. Actually, do you know what? I think that's probably where they get the figures from because people are because there is a disconnect between the food and there's a lot of ready meals. There's a lot of that, 
there's a lot of pre-packaged, pre-processed foods that have these these run-out dates that are nicely stamped. You know, especially here over in the UK and and you say in Europe, big 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 numbers. Don't eat this after you know the fifteenth of June or whatever it is, and because then you're oh, and so if you're an older generation as well, you believe what's what's being told to you if you know what I mean you know yeah. like my, my my mother's like that occasionally <laughs> I sort of yeah. have this like I'm sure it's fine okay I'll take it <laughs> you yeah. know sort of um <clears throat> it's it's another it's, aspect yeah. where we're so far away from nature because in in yeah. in the middle ages nobody looked at the the use by date <laughs> on whatever they had they didn't have a fridge they didn't have a use by date they just looked at the food can we still eat this and then they yeah. well, they probably ate it in a in in a, the kind of food that uh, that we would throw away <laughs> but but still uh we we we've yeah. we've We've gone so far away from from nature that we just uh, we 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 trust a date more than our mm. own taste, mm. etc. And let's say a, a cat or a dog is not looking at that; it, it just <laughs> smells the food and thinks like, "Okay, I can eat this." And then, yeah, that's Absolutely. that's the way it should be. Yeah, just yeah. as going to those agrihoods, which I just started mentioning about these these ag- sort of the neighborhoods that produce this sort of like food production actually into the design. Um, these are a brilliant um, concept and, and I encourage people to go off and, and have a look at them. There's a company called Terrapin Bright Green um, that is a biophilic design and they, they, they're promoting biophilic design in, in the built environment. Um, but these are amazing things. They, they've, they've got like community gardens and orchards and, um, you know, it's actually woven into the actual fabric of the communities. Um, it, you know, it draws communities together and of course, you know, it encourages people to to eat locally. Um, the houses that they've got in these places are solar heated. Um, there's a variety of obviously technologies and different architectural styles, so it's very human centric as well, which is which is good. Um, you know, and it's it's been is one of the is this is one of them that they mention on on one of their um, recent actually blogs. Um, it's the evolution of agrihoods, um, and they talk about village homes and. Uh, one of them is on the west side of Davis in California, um, and uh, it's, it's, it's a wonderful place. It was um, approved in the 1970s, and they use bioswales and infiltration basins for stormwater. Um, it's even got an edible landscape, which I love. I love the I love the concept of that. Do you and I having an edible landscape? I love that. Just brilliant. We you know with sort of like fruit um, and sort of net producing trees and shrubs along the pedestrian paths. You know, so in the morning. You know, people who live there go out, have their cereal, and they, you know, they gather gather the fruit for their breakfast. I mean, how amazing is that? You know, imagine being able to do that, and you can have a chat to your neighbours if you want to, or you can time it so you don't have to chat to anybody if you're not very good in the morning. <laughs> um, but this is lovely, and then because there's the small orchards as well, there's a vineyard there even, which you know caught my ears. <laughs> um, there's a sort of community gardens um, that form boundaries, natural boundaries, and they have community harvests as well. You think about it, you used to have like harvest festivals, so this whole spirit of being at one with the cycle of nature and cycle yeah. of our earth and um i just think i think it's i think it's absolutely wonderful really you know we have that in my village on uh, on the island in the netherlands where i live yeah. and uh there's um they, all these villages in on the island they have t- typical they're called ring villages so you have a church mm-hmm. in the middle and there's a a, a a perfect circle around it often it's a perfect circle um, those are the main houses, and then the rest of the villages is around it. These are just small villages of, of 
of hundreds or maybe a few thousand people. And uh, in this village, which is maximum a thousand people, there on the on this ring there are pear trees. So pears are growing there. And then one day in whatever it's something like uh, the second Saturday in September or whatever every, every year. They collect all these pears all together, the whole community, mm. and then they sell them. Uh, so anybody can just, 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 well, they, they've kind of auctioned, so to say, mm -hmm. um, amongst their own population. And th then they use that money for something good for the village. And that's, that's a good, um, yeah, that's, that's kind of living and eating landscape uh, that, yeah. uh, that you pass through. I, lo I love the concept. I really do. We have Apple Day here. We have an uh, so it's Apple Day, so it's literally they have everything from cider to um, you know how you pollard your trees and all this kind of stuff. But there's, and there's all these varieties of apples that you know again going to the supermarket we see two or three you know two or three designed designs of apples, <laughs> um, you know your golden delicious and all these kind of things and things that are imported. But you know if you I mean I'm sure every local every community has every every region has apples. Um, and there are so many in the UK, so many and little Braeburns, little tiny things that I've never even heard of. Small ones, big ones, you know, fat ones, thin ones, um, you know, red ones, green ones. And it just and actually when you put, when you buy them off the local off the farmers, because there's the thing and you have them in the fruit bowl. It's inspiring. It's lovely. You know, you have sort of a whole glut yeah. of apple, apple pies. It's, yeah. it's lovely. <laughs> <laughs> We we yeah. had something else we want to talk about, which is about green jobs, etc. But it, it was your mm -hmm. idea to to put it on the list. So, um, uh, yeah. where well, shall yeah. we start on the green jobs and everything <laughs> job related? Yeah. Well, yeah, I suppose it's like you can. I mean, there's lots of different aspects, really. I mean, you kind of initially you would think, oh, you know, oh, I'll take a green job. I'll take a, you know, a sustainable job that's like pushing, you know, sustainability and. You know, the sort of obvious option. The second option, obviously, is, you know, you work for a company that has a green ethos that maybe it's a B Corp company or something. So you you actually make a choice about who you work for. Is the building that you're going to work for, it work in, you know, does that have um, an impact on the climate? Can, you know, if you're actually working already somewhere, maybe you can approach the facilities manager or the, the boss and say, actually can we do a different can we do this a different way can we can we put some trees in can we make this a bit more biophilic can we um can we put solar panels on the roof can we put an urban garden on the roof can we put bee pollinating you know bee um uh things on the roof and can we encourage beehives, plants to beehives that's the one <laughs> your language um, not mine <laughs> <laughs> I know, a long couple of weeks, so it's Brian. Um, but there's also like, there's a shift as well to, um, you know, sustainable careers. Um, if you look at LinkedIn, it's got, apparently they're calling it a great reshuffle. And it's, it's what they're saying is a historic transformation in how, where and, and why people are working, which I think is fantastic. You know, um, I mean, they say that women are falling behind in green jobs of the future. Um, and that's what this there's a, there was a report recently done by by LinkedIn that shows that. Um, but, um, you know, we are, we are, we're coming forward. We need we need to kind of like bring our pitchforks and uh, literally because <laughs> we're going to be doing grass. But, we, you know, we can we can make, um, you know, we're, we're we're passionate and compassionate people as women. We can we can um, stick our stick our neck on the line and, and sort of uh, wage our way to the top. 
but also people are greening their CVs as well. Um, so, you know, they're, they're actually talking about the things that matter to them. You know, are they, are they volunteering for green things as well? Um, you know, I think, um, I think it's, um, it's really an interesting um, time to, to choose. You can choose your jobs, really. Um, yeah. And I can imagine that as an employer, you also start to look differently now than, let's say, 20 years ago at somebody that has all kinds of green stuff on, on his or her uh, CV. Mm -hmm. uh, what used to be, you know, just nice, just being environmentally conscious, etc. But I think nowadays, in in whatever industry you are, we we are in this this enormous transformation from mm -hmm. from let's say the old economy to a new one, which which is going to be uh, much more sustainable and and a different kind of economy, and and part of that will be. Uh, that you need to have people on board that have a feeling for um, for the planet and for sustainability and for uh, becoming more efficient. And that is not just because um, it is you know it's 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 great to work on a on a greener and better planet, but it's it's just that uh, the whole economy is moving towards a a restructuring. So you need to have. Uh, people on board that have those skills. Mm -hmm. um, so let's say um, if you were the director of an energy company a year ago and you had to choose between two people and one had a CV of um, knowing everything about how to pump oil out of the ground <clears throat> where the other person uh, had a CV of doing internships and a study which was more focused on renewable and you would have chosen for the green person, mm -hmm. that person would now be much more valuable now that we are forced by a combination of climate change as well as uh, the the uh, political events taking place in Russia and Ukraine that we're we're now forced to move into this new green economy so those people that that were early adopters and made that move towards green are now the more valuable people to have in your company and uh, on top of that I think another reason to choose for that is that uh, it is it is good to have, you know, that kind of diversity and diversity. I know you normally use for for on 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 ethnicity or gender or, or other kind of background, but that kind of diversity of skills is always good for for any company where people that that early on adopt towards you know new developments towards the future are uh, valuable to to have on board. So I think that is, um, yeah, that's 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 interesting. So I think young people studying now, whatever they are studying, um, it would be good to have at least one element in your study that is uh, relevant on environmental issues. So if you study business, uh, do do at least one or two subjects on the green economy and on sustainability. And if you uh, if you study law, know something about environmental law, and uh, if you study for you know uh, technology uh, related studies, uh, learn about how to uh, how to how to work with the new kinds of energy, how to how to construct uh, wind turbines, and and yeah. how solar energy works. Um, because nobody is still is still interested in how you build a steam machine, which was really very popular and modern and innovative 200 years ago. So you have to, whatever your field of interest is in, 
um, it's it's good to focus on uh, on on the green stuff, on moving towards uh, a new and greener and better uh, economy and society. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you mentioned you know um, moving away, you know, including in um, a skill something that's. Um, you know, so you know, if you're an engineer, for instance, um, you could, you know, you could look and you think about, well, you know, the, are there going to be more wind turbines being built? You know, the solar panels and things, you know, what, obviously these wind turbine technicians and solar consultants and, you know, these are the fastest growing green jobs, really. Um, and that, that, that's, that's actually what this report as well was saying. So um, it is going undergoing one of the biggest transitions, really, the, in, in workforce terms, um, apparently in America. Uh, renewable energy jobs soared by 237% in the last five years. And that's, that's a, in contrast only to a 19% rise in oil and gas jobs. So um, it makes sense to make sure you include um, these sustainable options um, and, you know, and get yourself savvy, really, so that you are more yeah. employable. And also when you, uh, when you do get a job or you, you want to shift jobs, you're making a difference. Um, I think, you know, with... I think it's, it's. I think it's time, really. I think it's a yeah. time for a shift. Um, and I think that's also for for those listeners that are investing their money into into stocks or, or other products. Yeah. Um, that is also some. It is a way that you can make a change. If you invest your money in the oil industry, you are actually supporting the oil industry. You give them yeah. more money uh, to uh, invest in, in new oil drilling and and all kinds of other polluting stuff. But if you invest your money in this new economy, I think um, that would be, but I'm not a financial advisor, but I think financially mm. it is good to, to step into the, the new uh, future uh, economy by investing in it. Uh, but you also uh, make it possible that, that, that because that money, and, and of course you're not, we, we, we talk about hundreds of billions and I don't think there's, too many listeners here that really invest too many uh, <laughs> that invest hundreds of billions although who knows maybe maybe bill gates and his friends are, are listening uh, you never know um but it, it it even with small amounts it makes a difference so what you saw for instance in the netherlands was that uh in the, in the netherlands we have an economy where enormous amounts of money is uh, put into pension funds much more <clears throat> than on average in other uh, western economies it's it's we are we are people that that save money that invest it's it's somewhere in our genes somehow i don't know why um and there was a huge movement in the netherlands that the biggest of those pension funds the one for for the civil servants quite a bit of my money must be in there as well after having been a civil servant for more than 25 years um that they would completely uh, divest from the fossil fuel economy and after a lot of pressure they last year decided that they're going to do it so they have an absurd amount of money collected after after generations of civil servants in the netherlands that all put a substantial amount of their salary into that fund and they are completely divesting from the fossil fuel industry so that is a way that uh, let's say activism also uh, leads to to those kind of successes but it's um so it's 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 the, the t tiny little amount of money that i have on the stock market which is a ridiculous small amount um 
I I would only put that into um, uh, into funds that have that yeah. score high on on uh, sustainability, and that is. It's a bit like eating less meat, where I said that you know it has three advantages: good for the planet, good for the animals, and good for you. And I think here it's the same thing. If you do that, it's not only better for the planet. I think it's also better for you. I think it's just a wiser um, investment. But yeah. I I know that most climate activists are not the kind of people that that have the money to invest. You normally find them on the other end of the <laughs> of the spectrum of yeah. whatever the Koch it's brothers and their friends. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Although what's, what's really nice, um, kind of I've, I've got a really weird circle of friends like I know you have, and it's sort of, um, that you have all different levels and there's more and more people, which is lovely and encouraging to, to hear that they are investing in um, sustainable funds. I've, I've got some funds with Triodos, there's um, yeah, a bank, it's an ethical, yeah. sustainable bank. Um, I don't have a lot of money in there and I keep taking it out because they're kind of like some freelance. So it's like, oh, OK, <laughs> flying close to the wind again. Um, but when I do have the money, I plop, I plop it in there. And, um, and it, you know, sometimes it's a bit hit and miss, you know, depending. But I, I've also got some money in these like fast track investments where they're trying to support startups in the green space and clean tech and all this kind of thing. So. You know, I don't, you know, I feel like I'm doing my little bit as well. You know, I don't I don't have children either. So it's kind of like, well, if I had children, I'd be like hemorrhaging money, probably. <laughs> so I, I also then choose to put my money to to support other and to invest in the next generation who are um, trying to make a difference and trying to, you know, create things or invent something. Um, you know, it, make, it makes me feel good, really. Um, and just as also just to add as well with pension funds, um, a lot of these traditional pension fund, funds, they own a lot of property, a lot of property. And um, these, these properties are not always managed sustainably for a start. Um, you know, you might think, oh, it's, you, know, you know, they're investing in certain companies, but actually some of these buildings are not being run sustainably. And also, these are on high streets. Um, so they own like a whole block of of these places and, and all they want to do is get a high rent so what kind of shops are then going to go into those spaces they're probably you know chains um so they're going to like put the rents up and stuff which means that little joe blogs who wants to have like a small um you know small greengrocer say or he's got a little farm shop or you know maybe somebody makes soaps or whatever it is they can't or a bookshop i mean i used to have a bookshop so if you you know it makes it unsustainable for small independent, which makes the high street interesting. Um, and then we're back down to, um, you know, the, um, you know, the, 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 the mass um, chain stores, which isn't good. So anyway, just 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 to sort of the bigger picture of a pension fund is yeah. is um, is that. So, yeah. Yeah. And that's that that maybe also bridges it to um, to activism. You can. Yes. You, you can do a lot. Yeah. I mean, in a way, I can I can I can say that what I'm doing is activism. I, mm -hmm. I quit my normal job uh, six years ago, which was a good, well-paying job, to focus fully on uh, environment and, and climate change, etc. Mm -hmm. And um, it's uh, just raising attention for what's going on on the planet. That's also why I call my my newsletter uh, the Planet, and why I call one of my two. Uh, shows on um, on on Colin uh, the planet because it's it's all about the planet and it, I was in in the kind of position that I could do so I mean I, I, w I wouldn't advise somebody who is who's 25 to just uh, you know c completely quit the normal labor market and become an activist although some people do 
and I admire that. I mean, I, I first uh, had a normal job and, and then was able to make that step. Um, but I think there's a lot that you can do, and it doesn't have to be full-time. I think there's a lot of things that you can do uh, locally and just, just take one of those many, many um, uh, green issues you can work on. Uh, protect uh, the local park uh, and avoid that they're going to build new houses or, or, or business there or um, join a, a tree planting campaign or work on rewilding the landscape or work on animal rights or there's just there's so many things that uh, there's so many places where you are needed and you don't have to be a specialist just anybody with normal let's say normal skills basically anybody that listens to this podcast there is a place for you where people will 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 be happy if you can spend a bit of your time and energy and knowledge on helping them because this 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 planet needs more volunteers as well um, so if you're if you're good at, I mean, my background is um, is is in in diplomacy and in public speaking. So so you see me more on the on the communication side of things, and I'm 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 not very good in making business or something because I don't have that background. But whatever your skills are, try to to give some of your best skills uh, to. To the planet and to the next generation and i i think there's so many so many possible forms of activism and yeah you are you are needed there anybody including you who's listening now absolutely that's a lovely thing i think i, I would like to see that i would i'd be sort of airing to on end, ending it there so you kind of end with that pack shot i think um i think you're right you know we we all have something to give we all have um a passion I think we spoke about this last time, actually, you know, whatever your passion is, if it's, you know, it might be fashion, it might be design, it might be food, it might be planting trees, it might be the water, the sea, the oceans, you know, whatever it is that, that really calls to you, that's the thing that will make you, um, will, will keep your energy up when you need to share knowledge and share your passion with people. So, you know, if you maybe you're a bird lover, you know, you can talk about all the birds that are like, you know, um, then the migration patterns that have changed and, you know, that things are cut down. So they're having to fly further, which means more birds are dying because they can't make it because their habitats disappeared. And, you know, all little little aspects that you can become an expert in that you can then tell your friends um, and share those things on social media um, and, uh, you know, on, on LinkedIn and on Instagram and, and Twitter and Facebook and you know, I've got WhatsApp groups, um, you know, that I kind of I've set up and we just share little pictures or we do certain things. But it's it's kind of a way of reminding, minding your 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 network, your friends, your family. It doesn't have to be really like, you know, pointy finger, um, making people feel guilty because we're all doing what we can to our best knowledge. It's actually supporting people, showing them a different way, leading by example um, and inspiring people and just making making it fun as well you know and, and green living green living is really fun it's really good it's good for, as you say good for you good for people good for planet so yeah yeah just i it. see evelyn has a question or comment so let's take in evelyn hi evelyn hi, hi again um it's very interesting that you you guys brought this up because i've been thinking a lot about how i could use my skills 
I mean, my background is like all over the place. And what I've landed on is education, because I do have a teaching degree and I do create sort of like e-learning modules. And that's my job currently. And, you know, bring those two together and maybe go into schools and teach kids or young adults about certain things. Because for me, it all education is such a huge part of like green living and so that's where where i'm trying to go at the moment probably shouldn't be saying this on here because somebody from my current job might be listening but hey there you go yeah no i i i think education is perhaps one of the one of the most important fields of of let's say in 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 activism where you can think about because if we manage to convince the next generation that uh, preserving the living conditions on our planet is really essential, uh, then we have gained so much. Well, actually, sometimes the other way around, you look at Greta Thunberg, uh, Mm -hmm. she had to convince our generation uh, that we should change our act. So she was was, uh, well ahead of her time. But I, I believe that the next generation needs the knowledge and the skills to deal with these enormous challenges that the previous ge- generations have, have, have given to them to solve. And uh, that is, uh, so they, they need the insight and the knowledge and they also need to, uh, to learn to, let's say, to get back to nature and learn to respect nature. As, as we discussed before in, in one of the, the earlier podcast that uh, so many young children are completely disconnected from nature. They don't even visit a park or anything. They only live in a concrete urban environment. And that is, um, from from that perspective, you also, you, you lose your, your connection to the environment while we live in a period where the environment that has been under pressure for humans for, for hundreds of years is now hitting us back and is 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 becoming a threat to our future because we have destroyed the environment so much so it it is so essential that we that we get back that feeling for what what the environment actually means and why why we need a healthy environment um it also means that um it asks a lot in the field of um of a cooperation, cooperation between between different countries and between different uh, entities in society, and 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 even at your municipal level, uh, so young people need to be able to to understand the problem and then then solve it together with uh, with others. It also asks for innovation. We need innovative ideas to um, uh, to 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 tackle these problems. So, uh, yeah, I think education is essential. So you're your teaching will be will be most welcome. What do you think, Ness? Absolutely, yeah. I think um, if you can do like an after-school club or something like that, you know, run it alongside your day job. If you can add a little bit, um, you know, just a couple of hours or something a week, I think it's a brilliant idea, Evelyn. Um, you know, you're saying, because you've obviously got a day job, but if there's some way you can kind of, you know, yeah, just, just volunteer for like running something. So like you say, you know, in, in, the, in, a, in a park or after-school club or... Um, anything you know thing that you're the other skill that you might have so it might be that you you know like it's great for growing vegetables or you might you just want to to just show people how 
the um the how the you know the what the climate risks are and stuff but yeah what a lovely what a lovely idea wish you wish you luck with that Evelyn we we look forward to um hearing more about your your progress on that so keep us posted do <laughs> I I will do that and you just gave me an idea thank you oh, awesome that's good <laughs> Because I do have, currently I have um, Wednesday mornings off. I could totally okay. have Wednesday afternoon off where all the kids are off school in there Switzerland. So that would work. Definitely. So there you go. Fantastic idea. Thank you could also, you. I don't know, do you know what? I did um, years ago, I did a, a drama. I did French. Um, I was teaching French after school clubs and, um, and I combined it with drama. So I was teaching them French um, while we were doing drama. So actually having like a sort of two you know, t learning two skills or giving them, you know, not just teaching them this is what you can do, but bringing like drama in or bringing a language in or, you know, trying to teach them in a in an innovative way as well. I don't know, that might be might be some some kind of methodology <laughs> in it as yeah. well. So, yeah, yeah, definitely. They do. They sometimes do. If they start the kids in, in kindergarten with like um, forest week. They have like oh. three or four a year where mm -hmm. they just every day they go into the forest and they learn stuff so that's also something i could get involved in oh gosh yeah exactly they yeah. grew up in the forest but that's a different story <laughs> <laughs> fantastic well, we look forward to hearing about that at some stage too <laughs> all right thank you i'll thanks. hang up now <laughs> okay thanks evelyn actually while we were talking um the ipcc report was uh, released in geneva and they oh. they had their press release and um so um the uh, the news comes out now. If I ca if I can quickly summarize it, uh, the the IPCC says that uh, nations uh, must move away faster from fossil fuels to retain any hope of preventing uh, a, a perilous future of an overheated planet. And that is that is the the key conclusion. So it says, for instance, that. Uh, the countries need to drastically accelerate efforts over the next few years to slash their emissions uh, from fossil fuels uh, if we want to stay at uh, that limit of one and a half degrees that we agreed upon in in Paris, one of the two limits that we agreed upon. And, uh, the, we, we are already at 1.1 degrees Celsius, so we're, we're getting awfully close to the, to the 1.5 as we already knew. But they've calculated that now that if we want to hold the warming to just one and a half degrees Celsius, uh, the nations in the world must collectively reduce their planet warming emissions 43% by 2030 and completely stop adding uh, carbon dioxide to the atmosphere by 2050. So uh, a slash of 43% in uh, the next um, what is it seven and a half let's say eight years um, what are we doing in practice is that governments are only expected to reduce global emissions by a few percentage points so far far away from uh, the goal that we need so this is a very dire uh, warning uh, and this is a report that is uh, as we know as ipcc reports this is approved by all governments in the world, 195 uh, governments, so we must miss one. I think we're at 196 in the world. So, <laughs> but, but basically the whole world uh, agrees on this. So um, this challenge uh, and that against the background of the Russian invasion in Ukraine and the complete disruption of the, of the energy uh, situation as we have it, 
is a very dire report. So, so this is the main conclusion. Um, I must say, from from the quick reading I did now, uh, I didn't find any surprises in the main conclusion. Um, but it's um, uh, I'm I'm sure. I mean, this is like a three or four thousand page report that uh, once the people. Um, once the experts and the journalists all dive into this, we will we will get a lot of details uh, later today and in in the days to come. But it's um, uh, well, it's 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 good that this warning is out again and that it does get. I hope it does get a bit of uh, attention. I was yeah. looking at the clock because we have like dozens of more subjects we wanted to talk about, but maybe uh, it's already more than an hour, so maybe mm -hmm. it's it's about time to uh, to thank our listeners and. Uh, hope that you will all be back here next week. I'm not sure what the subject will be. Um, we'll decide on that later. Do you have any last thoughts or comments, Ness? No, I just you mentioned about the IPCC report. Um, I just will you be broadcasting? You're, 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 you yourself are going to be talking about this, aren't you? Yeah, I will be talking so. about it on Thursday together with uh, Alastair. It's good that you remind me. Uh, Thursday, 3 o'clock Eastern time, normal time and place when uh, when I have the, the talk with, uh, with Alastair. Mm -hmm. um, and I will also have a podcast on uh, Wednesday, so just in uh, two days, with uh, Bas Behrens. And that will start... At, let me have a look. Um, or is that next week? One sec. I'm trying to work it out here. Looking in my agenda at the moment. Oh no, that's only next week. Which is quite interesting because uh, he works for a company uh, that makes um, uh, little containers, so to say. Like, like half a container in size that uh, creates energy and clean water. It's a fascinating mm -hmm. project that he's working on. But that's only next week. So this week, um, uh, the, the next podcast that I have in mind, unless something else pops up, is on uh, on Thursday. And there we will look into uh, IPCC. Lovely. Thanks, Ron. Look forward to going to have a listen. <laughs> Great. Okay. I hope to see all of you back. Please don't forget to... Um, uh, to like and to uh, to follow uh, follow us and also follow the podcast. Uh, the way it works on call in is that you have to follow both the uh, the speaker as well as the, the the different shows as they are called. Uh, maybe I made a mistake in creating two shows because most people follow only one, so I'm kind of splitting up the the, the following this way. Hey, thanks guys for uh, for listening. I hope you will all be back. On, um, on Thursday. Thanks also for asking questions. And uh, if you have any other questions, uh, we are both very easy to reach either on uh, via Twitter or just uh, using this app. And I wish you all a wonderful day and take a bit of time to read the uh, conclusions of the IPCC report. It must be in all the main newspapers by now. Hope to see you all back on Thursday. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.